0: Once again, thank you so much for having me here. Uh, as I said, I'm getting to love this church. Now, after being with you this long, I love this church. It's a great church, and I'm so excited to be here and uh, thankful for the way that you've helped Christian Relief Fund. I remember one day uh, uh, Bob and Sandy came to our office building and it was their very first time and probably only time that they ever came to our office building in amarillo texas and it was the same day that for the first time arthur david came to our building for the first time and i felt like god was just kind of pulling y'all together to do some great things in liberia and it was such a such a god just he just works that way doesn't he he just gets people to the right places and doing the right things and I'm thankful for the kids that you have sponsored here and the ones you will sponsor later back at our table. I just know that that many kids will will be walking with Jesus because of this congregation, and I thank you for that. Now, I told you um, about—well, let me tell you what happened to me. The reporter for the local newspaper in Amarillo, she uh, came up to me one day and said, I'd like to interview you. And so I said, okay. And she said, can I interview you at your house? And I thought that was really strange. She wanted to come to my house to interview me. And so one afternoon, she set an appointment, and so I went to the door and opened the door, and there she was, and she has a photographer with her. And I said, well, are you here for the interview? And she said, no, I lied. And I said, what do you mean? She says, I didn't really want to interview you. And I said, well, why are you here? She said, I just wanted to take a picture of your closet. She said, every place I've seen you in this town, you're wearing orange. And I just thought, how unusual his closet must be. And so they went in and they took a picture of my closet and they put it on the front page of the Amarillo newspaper and saying I always wear orange and so I do I always wear orange I keep the promise I made to those AIDS orphans that day I wear orange every day and I rarely buy clothes it's because uh you go to the in in Texas you know in Amarillo Texas if you go to the clearance rack of any department store it's nearly all orange and they see this shirt oh it's only two dollars I'll get that for milk and so most of my clothes are are, are given to me because I wear orange orange is the color of Hope, that's right, and hope is one of our big three, isn't it? Faith, hope, and love, it's one of our big three, and we talk so much about uh, faith, and we talk so much about love, but I find in most of my sermons, I don't talk as much about hope, and so I've been trying to repent and talk more about uh, hope, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is talk to you about hope. Hope means uh, a joyful anticipation of the future. When I think to the future, when I think forward, I get happy because I think God is gonna give me good things. And I think Hosea explains well why orphans have, have hope. Uh, if you read the book of Hosea, you'll, you're trying to find the nature and character of God. That's what you're supposed to find as you read Hosea. And I was reading it the other day in a translation I'd never read before. It was called God's Word Translation. And, and I sometimes will get uh, different insights when I read different uh, versions of the Bible and so i was reading uh, god's words translation and i was in hosea and so i'm looking for the nature of god right looking for the character of god because hosea is supposed to have the character of god when it comes to his wife israel is supposed to have the character of god when it comes to their relationship with god and it translates to us also we're to discover what the nature and character of god is and we are supposed to have that in our relationships So I'm looking for the character of God, and I get to the final chapter of Hosea, and I find three things that you're not going to ultimately find hope in, and then I find the character and nature of God, and it's in this verse. It says, Assyria cannot save us, because there are a lot of people that were trying to make a deal with Assyria, thinking that Assyria could save them, and they could find hope in Assyria. And so Hosea says, you're probably not going to find your ultimate hope in political deals. And then he says, we won't ride on horses anymore. And their horses was just kind of a term, something they used for, for military might. And he says, you're probably not going to ultimately find your hope in military might. And then he says, we will never again say that the things our hands have made are our gods. And you're certainly not going to find your hope in false religion. And then, after telling you where you're not going to find hope... He tells you the nature and character of God. In the last chapter here, he says, you love orphans. And when I got that, I thought, no, no, I mean, there's got to be more to it than that. More to it than the nature of God. I need, you know, something more complex. I need something longer. But he just kind of comes to the last chapter, and he summarizes the whole deal. And this is the character of God. He loves orphans. And I started thinking that through, and and it it says so much, doesn't it? Because most people don't, and idols can't, but we have a God who loves orphans. So the next time somebody asks you, what's God like? Just say, he loves orphans, (laughs) and maybe they need something more than that, but that'll be a good start to understanding the nature of God. Well, I want to give you... um, Uh, two hope stories. I'm going to give you my two best hope stories. I don't know which one's better, but I've got two really good hope stories I want to share with you. The first one is how I met Francis B. And Francis B. is this guy that's standing beside me there in that picture. Well, I'd never met Francis B. I'd never heard of Francis B. And I got a letter from him in the United States. Uh, And I'm reading the letter, and it says that I'm going to be standing, Francis says, I'm going to be standing in front of the post office in Eldoret, Kenya, on July 12th. He said, I hope that you will come there and join me and help me with my children. I hear that you're a person who helps children. I've never heard of this guy. And he picks July 12th and says he's going to be at a post office in Eldoret, Kenya. And so it so happens that I was in Kenya in July. I was in a place called Katali, Kenya, and I was having breakfast with a couple of brothers, and uh, I turned to one of them, his name was Larry Wu, and I said, Larry, do you remember the day that that guy's supposed to be standing in front of a post office and he said yeah he said i think it was july 12th and i said isn't that today and he said yeah it's july 12th i said do you think he's really standing in front of the post office today and he said oh yeah i'm sure of it he's he's gonna be standing in front of that post office and i said well i have no idea where elder at kenya is but why don't we see if it's close enough that we could drive over there and see if he's standing in front of that post office today and so we uh, asked our, our waiter there and I said, do you know where Eldoret is? And he says, oh yeah, that's just a little over an hour drive from where we are to right now. And so I said, let's go. So we load up in our Land Cruiser and start going over to Eldoret, Kenya. We get to the outskirts of Eldoret and we have no idea where we're going. So we ask somebody, where's the post office? And so anyhow, he tells us where the post office is. And so we drive to the post office And uh, I jump out at the other, here's a picture of it, the post office in Eldoret, Kenya. And so I get out of the Land Cruiser, and as soon as I get out of the Land Cruiser, I start hearing something. Milton! 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 And I'm thinking, how in the world does anybody know me here? And, and, and And I start assuming maybe it's this Francis B. guy. And I look around, and I'm the only white person in about 100 miles wearing an orange shirt. And, and so he's recognized me. So he comes over to where I am, and he starts hugging me and hugging me. Milton, I knew you would come. I knew you would come. And so I'm looking around to, uh, to see if he's got his children that he needs some help with. And I said, well, uh, do you have your children here that, that you need help that you contacted me about? And he says, no, no, there's someplace else. I'll take you to them. And so Francis is going to take me to his children that needs help and so we get in the Land Cruiser and we start going to the Haruma slum he said that's where his kids are in the Haruma slum Haruma in Swahili means mercy but you'll find very little mercy in the Haruma slum so we start going in there and these potholes are so deep that we cannot make it into the Haruma slum even with our Land Cruiser and so We park the land Cruiser and we start hiking into the slum. And we get in there, and there's this building. And he said, well, my kids are in here. And so I walk into the building, and sitting on the floor are 150 children. I said, these are your children, Francis? He says, yeah, these are my children I need help with. And I said, they're all AIDS orphans, aren't they? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah. And I realized they were not just his kids. And that's what I was thinking. He had a couple of kids at home. And he's got 150 AIDS orphans that he wants help with. And I said, well, Francis, uh, let, me, let me think about this. But uh, let me tell you a little bit about Christian Relief Fund. We want to make sure that our leaders and our directors are people that we know who have character that have great leadership quality, that can run a program, and that also are totally honest when it comes to dealing with finances. And Francis, I just met you standing in front of the post office. I don't really know you, so I don't know how we're going to start a program here for 150 kids. And he says, you can count on me. He says, I'll be a good leader. I'll be honest with money. You can count on me. You will never have a better director than me. And I said, well, well, Francis, let me tell you another thing. When we start a new CRF program, we started out with 35 kids. We don't start them out with 150 kids because we want to make sure that it's actually going to work. Because people are sending money, and we don't want to, them sending money for something that's not really working or that's not full of integrity. And he said, man, I understand. Here's what I think you should do, Milton. I said, what? He said, you should go in that room, and you should pick 35 kids to help. (laughs) And so I said, you know, this guy's getting to me, you know. And he's already twisted my arm, and I'm thinking, I think this guy really could start a program. And so I I finally says, okay, Francis, we'll start a program here, but you're going to pick the 35 kids, not me. And he says, "Oh, I will." And so we, we went in there and we picked th- he picked 35 kids, we brought them outside, took pictures of them, created these little uh, we call them promos like I've got on the back, got several kids from Liberia back there, if you want to support them, and we took pictures of them, and I took and made these pictures and promos, and went back to Amarillo to get some sponsors for them. And Francis now in that spot in Eldorette has not 35, not 150, but he takes care of over a 1000 kids. And I've never in my days on this earth met a greater leader than Francis B. I mean, he just does so many things that he, you know you can't I just can't tell all the things that he's in fact he's the one that started the water ministry with us there. And I just just couldn't believe it you know and now thousands of kids are sponsored and you can sponsor more I've even got some L direct kids if you want those instead of Liberian kids but uh, for $35 a month you can totally change the life of a child the BBC did uh, an article a few years ago and it was on how to help people in poverty and they said that there, that there are two ways and the two best ways to help people in poverty. And when I saw that article, I thought, oh, no. Everybody's going to read this article, and it'll be something different than what we're doing. <laughs> and so I'm going to have to change. So, got the article, read it, number one, sponsor a child. And I thought, yay, that's right, that's what I believe, and that's what we do. And they said, after they'd looked for decades and decades, that if you really wanted to help people in poverty, you really couldn't do anything better than sponsoring children. And so I love that one. And the second one was, give clean water. I thought, yes, yes, that's what we do. And two big things have happened to us uh, in the last few months that I wanted to tell you about. There are really big things that have happened to us, and one's a, a milestone. Uh, I remember is just a few years ago, six or seven years ago, we started our uh, water well drilling ministry, and we started, and we drilled one one year. The first year we had one, and we just went crazy uh, uh, that we drilled one well. And you know, now we have, as of a few months ago, we have over a million people that drink clean water from our wells every day. Today, tomorrow, over a million people drink clean water from our wells. And uh, that was just crazy for us that it, that's that many people. We got 232 churches that are planted. And the other thing that happened that was kind of unique is that when we became an organization to drill water, we went to register with the government. And so we're trying to register, and he says, who are you? And we said, we're CRF, Christian Relief Fund. And he says, well, you can't use that name. And we said, why not? He says, that's the name you use when you're taking care of children. He said, this is something different. And we said, okay, uh, we'll try to think of a different name. And he says, you don't get to choose your name of your organization. We do. I said, so the government's going to choose what we're called? And he said, that's right. He said, come back tomorrow and I'll tell you your name. (laughs) I said, this could be really bad. (laughs) So I came back the next day and I says, well, what's our water organization called? And he said, we're calling it Hope Water Africa. And I thought, that's not half bad, Hope Water Africa. And so we... uh, we're Hope water Africa, and that 's the division of our water uh, for Christian Relief Fund, but we didn 't get to name it. so uh, go back to that picture before, okay, so anyhow we 're called Hope Water Africa, and so there's somebody that gets online and he starts looking at Hope water Africa, and he thinks, this is pretty good. I think I want to join and work with Hope Water Africa and drill some water wells with them and You know, if you were 12 years old, you might be screaming right now when you saw this picture because this picture, uh, sometimes when I speak to youth groups, they start screaming when I show this picture right here because this man in the lower left in our coveralls that say Hopewater Africa and the man in the white shirt is none other than Mr. Beast. If you don't know who Mr. Beast is, you're not 12 years old, okay? (laughs) Mr. Beast is Jimmy Donaldson. He is the number one entertainer on YouTube. And he has 243 million subscribers. And if you get and watch his videos, he loves to blow up Lamborghinis. No, no, I'm sorry. He blows up bank vaults, and he shreds Lamborghinis. And he does some pretty wild stuff, if you want to get on uh uh, YouTube and, and watch him. But underneath it all he's trying to teach young people the value of philanthropy. And so he's doing all these wild things so people will watch him and then the young kids are learning about philanthropy to give to help people who are in need. And that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. He does a lot of weird, so I can't explain the things he does. But I'm pretty excited about uh, how he Looked at Hope Water Africa. All of a sudden, I didn't mind the name at all after Mr. B started looking at Hope Water Africa. And uh, he has a video that was done at the end of the year, and it's called I Built 100 Wells in Africa. And you might want to look at that. And when you look at that, (coughs) all of the, uh, the rigs are CRF's rigs, or Hope Water Africa rigs. And the coveralls you'll see him wearing in that. Video, he'll have HWA, which is Hope Water Africa, which is what the government named us, and you'll see thousands of kids in that video, and all of the kids are Christian Relief Fund kids. And so it's not an advertisement for us, it's just what he's doing in Africa, and he's working with us building a, a hundred wells. And what is significant about that is more people watch that video than watch the Super Bowl a couple of weeks ago. I'm serious. Uh, this Mr. Beast is, is very, very, very well known. <laughs> and, and so he's been drilling wells uh, and giving us money to drill wells for him. And a lot of kids around the world are giving money to him and he sends it to us to help drill wells. Okay, Francis might have been my best hope story because he's I mean, think about what kind of hope it takes to be standing in front of a post office waiting for someone you don't know to come. That's a lot of hope, right? Okay, this one might be even a better hope story. Now we hit because we drill so deeply and the aquifer is so big. We hit probably 99 out of 100 times that we drill a well in East Africa, and. There was this one time that we didn't. Now you can show the next slide. Okay, one time we didn't hit. And this guy, the tall guy that's on the left, he was watching us drill. And he saw us hit a dry hole. And he's really sad that we hit this dry hole because he knows what happens if we hit water. We start a new village. Used to, we went to where the people were and tried to drill a well there that didn't have water. And that wasn't very smart because if they didn't have water, they we were probably drilling where there's no water. And so what we do is we have a geologist takes us where there's water, we drill there, and then a community forms. People move to where the water is. And then uh, we, they start farms there. And so they, the people there get water, they get food, and then CRF plants schools there. And then CRF gets sponsorships there. And then CRF plants a church there. And so if you hit water, you get all this stuff from from food to farms to schools to sponsored children to churches. And he knew when he saw this dry hole that none of that was going to happen for him. And so it's pretty sad. And so we're about to pack up and pull away. And he comes over to us and he says, Can I pray before you leave? He said, I'd like to go over there where the rig is. I'd like to get down on my hands and knees and pray. And I said, okay. And so he did. He went over where the rig was. He got down on his hands and knees and started praying. Prayed for about 30 minutes. Then he came back over to where our crew is, and he said, can I ask you to do something for me? And we said, what do you need? And he said, would you start the rig back up? He says, I know you're about to pull it away, but can you get it all hooked up and start it up again? And we said, okay. And so anyhow, we hooked it back up. You've guessed it. All of a sudden, water comes out. And, and uh, we, we can't believe it. And so he walks up. He says, you don't know what just happened. And I said, yeah, do you? went over there and prayed and water came. He says, oh, you just don't understand. He said, you don't know why I went and prayed over there. And I said, well, why did you go over there and pray? And he said, because I've gone to that spot and prayed for water every single day of my life. And I said, wow. And he said, but you don't understand. And I said, what don't I understand? He says, you don't know why I went over there and why I go every day to try to find To pray over water. He says, you don't know why I do this every day. And I said, well, why do you do this every day? And he says, my father did this. My father went to this spot every day of his life and prayed for water. And I said, wow. He says, but you don't understand. You don't know why my father went to that spot and prayed for water. And I said, well, why don't your father go to that spot and pray for water? And he said, because my grandfather went to that spot and prayed for water every day. This is kind of blowing my mind, you know. And I, and I start thinking, and I look at this old man, and I start estimating how old he is and thinking how old his father would have been, how old his grandfather would have been. And then I safely calculated they have been going to that spot and praying for water for over 100 years. that's hope. I mean, can you imagine that? You just you don't have water, and you just keep going back, and you keep going back, and you keep going back. And you know how I am sometimes? I have this problem, and I'll pray for it about one time, and then when God doesn't say yes immediately, I just kind of move on and start praying about and start hoping for other things. I don't know why sometimes God's answers my prayers yes after one time, But sometimes he doesn't. And I learned then, sometimes it takes a hundred years of prayers for some things. That's hope. That's hope. And I'm thankful that today we came here to give hope. And that's what missions is going to do. It's going to give hope. You're going to save some kids' lives. They're going to get to go to school. They'll be different I just think of a kid in Liberia, his name is Moses, and he was sponsored just as a kid, and he went all through that school, and then he got, get, kept getting sponsored, and he went through college, he went through graduate school. And finally, I remember one day looking at the front page of the newspaper in Monrovia, and there was the president, and it said that he had selected uh, a few children that he was going, to, that she was going to, especially train so that they could be leaders of the country. And I looked there beside the president, and there's Moses. You're giving hope to Moses and the Moses, the Oscar Amandes, the Little Miltons, the Pujus. You're giving hope to them, and I thank you. You're giving hope by bringing clean water and bringing the good news through churches in, in the desert. You're bringing hope by giving goats that will totally change the life of a little kid. It really will. In, um, in Bangoma, Kenya, where I work a lot, and we have one of our largest children's programs, when we part, we always part in the same way. We say this, Asante Maratrian. Asante Maratrian. let me just say it in English, because it's what I want to leave with you. Thank you a trillion times. Thank you a trillion times. Thank you a trillion times. God bless you.